it, it can't happen every week, but I really like when we're able to record on Mondays because it's nice to be able to talk about sports very fresh. And it's something that, uh, you know, we have this going for right now and it's tough during football season and most other weeks, but I feel good when I can sit here and just record a podcast on Monday and then be done with it for the rest of the week. So oh, glad I, that it's worked out same, for us. <laughs> I had the same feelings too that, I mean, I like Tuesday just because that's always been the thing. I'd imagine what 90% of our episodes have been recorded on a Tuesday. Probably somewhere totally close to that. Yeah. Something like that. But if we're not going to do it on Tuesday, I definitely prefer Monday the the most because like you said we it's fresh in our minds because the games that we watched are this past weekend for the most part or all the news that that's happened is is from this past weekend usually and yeah after recording you just have the rest of the week uh you know to do whatever yeah and i think it's also easier when we're not trying to throw in like a top five or five questions that we need like a little more time to think about (laughs) when our entire weekend (laughs) is devoted to just watching sports and living our lives i am a little jealous of podcasts that don't talk about topical things that like you need to record um on like a certain date and release it right away but it's fun we do this for a reason and this is a great time of year to be talking about sports every single week with march madness going on and we have our final four. So certainly not one that many people predicted, including uh, I mean, us for sure. I, three, three of the four teams I had out in the first round. Same, so same, yeah. Can only be, couldn't be more wrong. I, um, it didn't occur to me in the moment, but I did get my like email from ESPN about the tournament challenge results, and I realized that of the 10 brackets I filled out, seven of them, including the He's Done It bracket I submitted, had zero points as early as the Sweet 16. So wow. I just didn't get any points this weekend because any team that I still had left just lost in the first like you know Sweet 16 anyway. So I'll fully admit that I I, I built some random brackets too. And, and I was in another league, and I had UConn in my Final Four. In, there you in go, the other yeah. one. And then... And then, like, the random ones I've built, I've had UConn winning it all. So, like, I have a decent amount that are, like, in the 90 percentile. But, unfortunately, I didn't put those in, you know, leagues that actually count. But but in terms of Miami uh, and San Diego State Atlantic and City FAU, City, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I had a I – wish I, I wish I took a I, – I wish I took FAU more seriously because, like, I had Memphis in a decent amount of Final Fours, and, and I took that – matchup uh even though look that matchup was like a one point spread so i wish i took that matchup more seriously because fau was was had a really good season they did yeah and they still are continuing that season yeah and i mean we can jump right into them they were the first team to earn a trip to the final four and i did not see this coming from florida atlantic but I don't think that they are this Cinderella team like VCU or George Mason or some of those other crazy teams that came out of nowhere. And I I know that's the narrative that's being talked about with this team. But looking back on the East region, if I had to rank all 16 teams in this region based on, or I guess 17 if you include the two playing teams, on how likely they are to make the Final Four, I probably would have put Florida Atlantic like 12th just because there are other teams that I liked in this region. But just watching them play, like they're a legitimate basketball team. And I think that it's very fun seeing them go on this run. And 
I am definitely excited to see what they can do the rest of this weekend because they gave us some pretty good games. I mean, the East region as a whole, I was not a fan of it, not a fan of these teams, didn't trust any of them, but we got some awesome games out of it. And, uh, you know, Florida Atlantic is the, the final team standing somehow. I, I took them more seriously as the tournament went on. They did, they, they did kind of get a free ride of the Sweet 16, you know, after the refs kind of blew it with that. That yeah, first, against Memphis, uh, the first yeah. game against Memphis, and it's like, ah, oh, this team doesn't deserve to make it. And then they get a 16 seed in the <laughs> uh-huh. second round. It's like, ah, oh, they're not, they're not that great. But you know, they face Tennessee. Now Tennessee was kind of overrated, not not begin the tournament because Tennessee was this team like, ah, oh, this is not a great four seed. I think you know teams like Duke, Kentucky, even though they were lower seeded, they were teams that were taken more seriously than them. And then all of a sudden they beat Duke with all their physicality and their great defense, and everyone's like all in on the. Tennessee bandwagon and you know that kind of it, it kind of gave uh Florida Atlantic uh an under the radar view like combining with you know those first two games that they had and so I you know after seeing how they've looked lately I I, I definitely take them obviously take them more seriously they, they're in the final four and uh I don't, they, they score in many different ways um so they're definitely fun to watch and and that FAU Kansas State game was definitely Definitely a thriller, especially since I was rooting for FAU in this game. Yeah. Because, you know, K-State, they beat out the Spartans, who had my Final Four, which was a shame because, you know, if the Spartans, if they could just play any sort of pick-and-roll defense, they would have won that game because there was no defense in that game whatsoever. No, 98-93 to 93 in and, overtime. I mean, that, that was one Marquise, of the most exciting games of the tournament. So. It was. It was a thriller. I was constantly saying, oh, we got this. Like, oh, no, <laughs> it's over. Like, every time Michigan State, you know, would get up, would get a basket or give up a basket, and it was so frustrating because, like I said, their poke and roll defense was so bad that every time Mar- Marquise Noel would, you know, he would drive into the lane, he would get double covered, and then he would just find an open man to the point where he broke a, a NCAA yes, record for nineteen, 19 assists. assists in the game. Literally, almost a twenty twenty uh, game. Uh, unreal performance for him. Program. Yeah, and I. He, I think so. I was torn on Florida Atlantic, Kansas State. I think I I found myself rooting for FAU, but Kansas State was so much fun in their own right. I wish they both could have made the Final Four over some of the other teams who got there. See, if they were a team that I was rooting for, I would agree with that. But because I was rooting against them, I couldn't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) With with just how I mean, yeah, Noel is definitely a baller, but the amount of times where he would just chuck up a three and, and it would go in like that that one that where the shot clock was about to end and he just throws a prayer and it hits the backboard and yep. it goes in it's like man i can't stand this guy even though he's amazing uh yeah so i believe so he, that put him up by six points and it, it felt like okay this is it kansas state is going to to pull away here and florida atlantic just another example of them battling through adversity and we talk about football being a game of inches basketball is a game of bounces if the refs correctly call a timeout instead of a jump ball feu goes home in round one instead they're in the final four and very much right. a threat to win the national championship yeah, there was the team that you know, like I like I said, I had Memphis in some brackets in the final four. It's like, oh, I I wish they won because they I thought they had more upside. But like, no, FAU. I'm actually kind of glad now that they won uh, that game because they've definitely proven that they have what it takes to to make it, obviously, to the final four and possibly a national championship. Yeah, and I guess so. On one quick note on Marquise Noel, so I think there's been a lot of discourse about Zach Eady and whether he should be an NBA player. Like, if you can't find room for just a seven-four big man who can get you rebounds and some points under the basket, then what is basketball anymore? 
I would love to see Marquise Noel at least get a shot in the NBA. I know he's five foot eight, but he is a phenomenal passer. Yeah, and I feel I, like I, there has I, to be some sort of room for him. I also believe that I would. It'd be cool to see the Celtics, you know, draft a guy like that, or if he's undrafted, I have no idea. But I remember years ago they they drafted Carson Edwards in the yep. second round, and, and I don't want to say they're exactly the same, but you know, Carson Edwards he had that amazing tournament, including that elite eight game versus Virginia, breaking a bunch of records. And they draft him, and yeah, he didn't last in the league. He only lasted a couple seasons, but you know, doing comps in terms of the position and the size, like I, I would, I would love to see Noel on the Celtics. I, I, I don't know if he's going to be drafted or not. Yeah. I have no clue. I don't but really like know said, what his draft think, prospects are, but yeah, I feel like he's someone that's improved his his status. I, I, I could see him being in the NBA. I don't know if it's a for just a year or two, or if if he could be a legit bench player for a team, I don't know. But yeah, he's definitely, he definitely caught people's attention. Yeah. I mean, he showed it on a big stage. He he showed up in that game in New York, in his hometown. Like that was like this big homecoming thing for him. And he put on an absolute show. So he's a very fun player. FAU has fun players in their own right. Uh, But I think that this is a team that coming into the tournament, Everyone was talking about Texas A&M being super underseeded, but Florida Atlantic in their own right, like they, Florida Florida Atlantic was definitely yeah as, as a nine seed. So yes, they're in the conference USA. Yes, they didn't necessarily play like the best competition, but if you look at all of the metrics that the NCAA selection committee supposedly uses, they should have been a seven, maybe an eight seed. Instead, they end up on the nine line, and I think that they proved that. They are a legitimate team. They're not just some really good mid-major who beat up on a lot of bad mid-major teams. And I hope that this at least this run gets them like, you know, the committee, whoever, to take teams like Florida Atlantic more seriously. Because you look at their record, I think they were 31 and three entering the tournament. They had the second most wins in all of college basketball. Like that's a record that. If you see that in major programs, you're a one seed. And, you know, in Conference USA, it gets them a nine. And I would like to think that they could have been higher up. They were in the top 25 at various points during the season. So this isn't the best comp, but do you remember when Wichita State? I actually had, think had that is a undefe- really good comp. Yeah. Okay. Well, I remember they had this undefeated record and there was just all this controversy if they if they should even be ranked a one seed or if they should be ranked lower because they had this undefeated record, mm-hmm. but they we're not playing anyone legitimate and yeah they lost in the second round but it was a close game and it was against the team that was the runner up yeah right Kentucky it's Kentucky they end up going a big run Kentucky had talent they were disappointing that season they weren't expected to be an eight seed but even the year before that Wichita team the other nine seed to make a final four nine seed that made it to the final four yeah and that was a team that had multiple players who ended up going on to the NBA of course Fred Van Vliet was the biggest star of those but you know even a couple other guys like Rod Baker Clancy early early were at least given opportunities and I think Davis has some draft hopes uh their big man golden he golden similar yeah, yeah similar <laughs> golden with an eye uh, yeah. he has a chance so this is a team that has legit talent and i i don't know that i necessarily want to say oh florida atlanta is going to make the next step and be an undefeated one seed next year but i do think a lot of these guys are going to return so they should be if that, much if that's more the case serious then threat next i could year. see a, a similar thing to wichita state i don't want to say undefeated record but a team that'll be taken more seriously in terms of the committee ranking them higher. Yeah, of course, like throughout the season. And uh, who knows, maybe they'll just be this year's North Carolina Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs> um, sad seeing a Caleb Love transfer, even though I 
fully expected that. I happened. did see that. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, Armando Baycott's coming back supposedly, so that's cool. He's coming back. He's <laughs> coming back to play college basketball. Like I don't think he's entering the transfer portal, but that could always happen. So, um, anyway, so Florida Atlantic is in the Final Four. Very much a surprise team. And another team, I guess, jumping to the one who is like the least surprise, the highest seed left, the Yukon Huskies. And they have to be the team to beat going into this. They were probably oh, no, were the team to no beat question. after the Sweet 16. I mean, they just dominated they're, this past they're, weekend. They're destroying teams. They have a plus 90 scoring margin. It's insane and for four games. The, and when the Elite Eight started... Looking at the matchups, I was thinking UConn-Gonzaga is going to be the game to watch, in my opinion. It ended up being the worst game Just of the any Not of the, even close any of the, games. the whole it way. Wasn't even, it was, I knew Gonzaga was, their defense was there, was going to be a fatal flaw at some point. I, I, I It was only a matter of time, and I kind of figured it would be UConn. I just didn't expect it to be... Like a twenty-eight point blowout. <laughs> yeah, like that—that's what surprised me. Yeah, I don't think many people saw that coming. I mean, if you look at all those other games this weekend, there was certainly a potential for any of them to be a good show. But that was the one where you look at UConn Gonzaga. These are the two most likely teams. Like, if you're gonna say one of these matchups is the most likely to produce a national champion, it would be this one. And certainly looks that way from the UConn perspective. But you know, Gonzaga. Yeah, just another disappointment uh, failure for them is uh, they they pick up a huge win over UCLA, but then they they go out and play like that in the Elite Eight. That was an incredible game too. There have been plenty of incredible games. I I, I love the NCAA tournament, but that the Gonzaga UCLA game, another rematch, and it didn't disappoint again. Weirdly. No, every time those two teams play in the tournament, it's a thriller. It's a so. thriller. It, when UCLA got up to a 46 to 33 lead at the half, I'm thinking, all right, like, I guess it's over for Gonzaga. But then they, they make this comeback and they were up by 10 with a couple minutes left. And then they, yep. you know, Adam Morrison, he's in the building and he's about <laughs> to relive his own nightmare again. Uh, the UCLA makes a comeback and they take the lead 76 to 75. And then, yes, the Gonzaga made that comeback with that last, uh, you know that last shot with ten seconds left, but I gotta say that even though it was it was a great shot, it was also a stupid shot too. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah, like to to be down one with that much time left, you have plenty of time to you know find a better shot and go for a two. Maybe go to Timmy, who had an amazing game. Guy's a legend. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, he, he had plenty of time to find a different option, but I mean, he had the balls to take it. So. Some of the best March moments come from just insane shots. You're like, why are you shooting this? And they go in, and the, those are highlights you remember forever. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd say this one could be in that category if Gonzaga didn't just no show against UConn in the next round. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess just going back to that, Adam Morrison. That was Morrison. Strother, right? Yeah. Yeah, Julian Strother. Yes. Julian yes, Strother. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Adam Morrison looks younger at. 38 than he did as yeah. a 21 year old college student he's on the tom brady plan he he looks younger now than he did when he was yeah, in just college. insane cuts his hair shaves his beard he's not even the same person anymore he's in those no. like at&t commercials with um you know, the one shining moment that you know they they show that commercial only like 17 times a day they just show like the same like five commercials this year and it's it's you get all these i love Stephen adams but like him with the <laughs> The people over his head, like I, uh -huh. I, or over his arms and his head, like I get it, I get it. It's, it's, uh, 
you know, that commercial and there's definitely been a few annoying ones that have driven me crazy because like... they say, they show the same ones all the time. You know, it'd be a uh-huh. great idea. They'll never do it, but what? you know how I love red zone. Yeah. <laughs> how about a college basketball kind of thing? Red zone kind of thing where you have Scott Hansen doing the, the first weekend of college basketball going game to game. So that wouldn't help for this weekend, but Yes, that not would this, help. I'm not, for that's the why, first that's why I specifically yes. said the first uh-huh. weekend. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I think... So YouTube TV, did this year, I think is the first year they did it, they have a like split screen. So when there are multiple games going on at the same time, which only applies to the first three rounds, it'll like you can see them both on your screen. And you can like focus on one of them, and it'll like play the actual audio for that. You could still tune into the others. But I think the, the idea is that you can flip kind of and choose one over the the rest and it's not the same thing as red zone where it just shows you the the biggest moments so uh that would be a cool idea i guess you know when every single game is on like cbs or turner like they want people watching their their channel they don't want to have a, a separate one so the the real reason is cuz the reason one of the reasons why i watch or really the reason why i watch red zones cuz i don't want to see commercials yeah and, no it is a big and, reason I remember when I saw the you know the Steven Adams AT&T commercial like oh that was that was neat. Oh, too bad I'm going to see that a hundred more times. Yeah, <laughs> cuz uh, AT&T so many... it's always it, they they constantly show even though the the AT&T girl kind of hot not going to lie. <laughs> uh yeah, Lily. Like the right? commercials are so so repetitive. Yeah, they well they always show the same ones. They have like three of them that they'll put out there. I remember, yeah. I think it was in 2019 when they had like the broadcast team with like the really dumb color commentator guy. I thought those were really entertaining. I would love to bring them for to bring those back, but they haven't. It was just a one year, and yeah, they're they're just not the same anymore. Also, the Corona commercial where the girls like basketball players have intro music. I have sit down music. That just lost. Is that, the, is that the one with Tatum in the back? No. So there's two of those. Oh, that one's one. like that one's ones. a little better. It's the one where like the girl, she's like sits down, like she walks in, and her husband's like, "Oh, what is that? Like what?" Because there's like some like big noise that plays, and then she sits down, and then he's like, "Do I have sit down music? No, you don't." And he stands up, and nothing happens. It's like it's kind of funny the first time, but <laughs> every other time since, I haven't really. I think my favorite one's the Allstate one. one. With the where you know the mayhem guy, yeah, and and he's playing his oh, brother. Oh, he's playing with yeah. Uh-huh. You know what blows my mind? What? The the so it's his brother in real life playing. Oh, really? Play, like the yeah, actor's real life brother? Yeah, it's his real life brother. Oh, I didn't know. And that. the guy that he's he's playing against in basketball, he's the same guy from Goodwill Hunting. The one with the 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 hair, the, you know, the guy who he's talking trash with. Uh, because he thinks he's all smart. Well, I'll have a degree. Like, I'll at least be original. I mean, the guy yeah. that Matt Damon's arguing with at the yeah. bar. Okay. Just so you could press some girls and. and yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And shit on my I didn't friends. Realize like, that yeah, was th- him. that guy. He looks nothing like. No. What he looks like now. No, I would have never, never even crossed my mind. I thought he was just some random commercial actor. I had no idea that he's I anything. Would, I was told that. And I had to look at him like, oh my God, wow. Really that, okay, that makes that one even better. Like, now that. I know that information. That's the only one I enjoy. It's repetitive, but that's the only one I enjoy. I, I love the uh, progressive commercials with. I've told you this before with the, the parental guide. Oh yeah, yeah, he's the best. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love, I love those commercials. Like, I don't care how much they show them. Like, I'll still enjoy them every time. But like, other than that, and 
some of the mayhem ones like most of them suck <laughs> yeah well i my biggest problem with progressive is that they continue to shove lily and jamie and their friends down our throats and i, right, I don't know yeah. why they still do that when parental- they have so many other better commercials whether yeah the the parental you know the like parental guide one is funny yeah like even one, the baker mayfield ones but, when like he was still with the browns yeah, those even, were entertaining even being a baker hater i actually love those ones those were those were good uh but yeah, like the Lily and the Jamie, like, yeah, those are those are bad. Yeah, so I guess shout out Gonzaga for being so bad that we're talking about commercials instead of their game. <laughs> <laughs> I, that game was that that game was over by like the end of the first half. Yeah, and, and then Timmy Drew Timmy picked, picked up a yep, fourth foul. He picked like, up his really, fourth really. foul right out of the gate in the second half, and it's like, well, this game is over. It's and I remember, not worth watching I remember saying to myself when it wasn't a total blowout, when it was like a ten to fifteen point game. Like entering the second half, when when Timmy picked up his fourth foul, I'm thinking to myself, it was a seven in, point game at halftime. Right, so it was still, it, it, look, UConn was playing much better, but it was still a game at the time. And then when Timmy picked up his fourth foul, UConn was pulling away, and Stan Van brought it up on the broadcast, and I agreed with him that, like, I'm bringing Timmy. I I know he has four fouls at the time, but I'm bringing him right back in because this is a do or die game. He's your by far by far and away your best player. Like you got to bring him back in, and yeah, they did. And he didn't. He didn't pick up another foul. But at that point, like it was already game was over. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that would have made the difference. I'm just saying like it was still close at the time. But no, nah, I mean Gonzaga's defense, as great as they are defensively, de- defensively it was a fatal flaw. If if UCLA was more equipped, because uh, they had they had several injuries. Mm-hmm. Even the coach mentioned it. Like yeah, we're, yeah. oh we're, injuries we're, definitely we're, derailed it. We're playing shorthanded. Uh, we're we're missing we're missing a few key guys on our team. Like if they were if they were fully equipped, they would have beaten the Zags. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they would have won that, and I think they would have definitely at least put up a fight with UConn. They wouldn't have gotten yeah, beat in the second too. half like that. But yeah, I mean UConn looks awesome. Jordan Hawkins and then Adama Sinogo, their big man. He's he's really good and fun to watch as just like a a center who that's his position but uh yeah UConn is legit and they're very much the favorites going into this weekend and it would be of any of the four teams they would be the biggest disappointment to not win at all at this point which feels crazy to say for a four seed this team was down by two points Iona at halftime in the first game and they've just been absolutely dominant ever since so they've been destroying anyone in their path yep it hasn't even beat their their games have not been entertaining in terms of a close game <laughs> no no <laughs> they've, they've all... they're a fun team to watch like i i'm not a yukon fan i so of all the teams that i have irrational hatreds for yukon men's basketball has to be number one simply because i don't like that the state of connecticut is in new england yet half of the state roots for the yankees that's all it comes down to that's totally. That's, that's totally. It. I mean, the, the women's you say basketball it's irrational. Team, I actually think it is rational. <laughs> I like to think it's rational too. I know I'm not the only one with that take about the state of Connecticut. Doesn't necessarily need to bleed into their college sports teams, but here I am. Their women's basketball team, which can we declare them officially dead? I don't care what anyone I, says. I hope so. UConn, UConn women's dynasty is long over. Maybe someday they'll be able to turn around. Losing in the Sweet 16, first time since 2005 that they're not in the Final Four, let alone advance to the Elite Eight. They are dead. They are dead. They are see, dead. See, what, what's funny is that you talked about how you hate the men's team. Like, I don't like the women's team. Oh, I'm the same I don't way. Watch, I don't watch women, whether it's college or WNBA. I don't watch 
un- enough women's basketball to really have that many takes on anything. <laughs> but but uh, I've I've never been a Gina Oriema fan. I've I've I can't stand that guy. Yeah, and I... just the way he carries himself with all the championships. Like, look, I get it. Like, he has a so, I don't even know how many. It was like ten or eleven, whatever yeah, the number crazy. is. Crazy. Yeah. He he has a crazy absurd amount of championships, and all I think to myself is. This is not a a real challenge. Like just getting all the best kids at recess on your team and just kicking the crap out of all these teams. Because there have been multiple championships where they beat the second best team by like thirty, and it's just so unfair. Like this, dude. This is not that hard. They've just broken all like the best record long winning streaks multiple times. He just, just call, he just carries himself like he's John Wooden or Phil uh, Jackson or whatever. Well, it's just, I think and, John and Wooden not, was doing this, similar things in the seventies. This 70s is not a sexist thing. Like I want. This is not a sexist thing because if I would be more impressed if he took his talents, uh, sorry to quote Le- like Le- LeBron, but went to the WNBA, you know, because that would be another challenge, right? Like, or just like of, a different school and tried to do it there. I don't know. I don't know if that would change anything. He'd probably or yeah, yeah, that too. A different school or <laughs> at least the, spread your talent around, like Nick Saban, men's college national, or, national or the WNBA. Places. It doesn't matter. Like uh, I, I just want to see. It's not really a challenge. It, it, that's like playing Madden. On easy mode the entire time, and then going like nineteen and zero in your 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 like franchise mode thing. Like, oh wow, I'm so awesome! I can kick the crap out of my opponent on easy mode. Like, how about <laughs> do it on hard or MVP level or 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 play people on? You get my point. Yeah, no, he's not doing that anymore. They have not won a championship since 2016. South Carolina Gamecocks have already won two since, and now they might be the new new UConn. Like, we might be passing them. I don't know how long Don Staley's going to keep going because. It feel like there's been like talks of her just stepping away and retiring with how much she's accomplished already. But this teams have not played at the time of recording. They're the elite eight matchup, but what thirty five and zero now and <laughs> trying to be another undefeated team in women's college basketball and potentially keeping that going for a while. So you might have to change Happy your hatred you. to my side. <laughs> no, hey, you know I, what? I don't it's remember not... the last time they lost a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was last year's SEC championship game. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess let's move on to the, what is it, the South region next. And San Diego State is in the Final Four, not Alabama, because the Aztecs, they beat them in the Sweet 16. And, uh, you know, before we get into the Creighton game, I think that's the first one to focus on. There are so many things that can be said about this one. I think the hottest take I have on this is that as embarrassing as it was for Purdue to lose to Fairley Dickinson, you know, one over 16. I think Al- this Alabama team losing in the sweet 16 is a bigger disappointment because they, no, they I- were the tournament favorites or one or two. And to lose in the sweet 16, to San Diego state of all teams, it feels I, I, really, really I, bad. I don't think it's more disappointing. Purdue is it's not really as embarrassing. embarrassing. It's, 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 it's not embarrassing. as embarrassing. Yeah. But- no, you know what? That's what it is. Purdue's is more embarrassing, but Alabama's is more disappointing because, like you said, they were the title favorites, or one of them. I don't know if it was them or Houston, but they were one of them. And they make it to the Sweet 16, and at the time, before their game, all that there was left was was San Diego State, Creighton, Princeton, and the two teams that were uh, Florida Atlantic Florida and Atlantic, Kansas State. Kansas State, yeah. And it's just like... They're the clear team. They should at least walk to the national championship. They should have been at least in the net. Like if they if they were to make the national championship and lose to like let's just say UConn, 
Like it's, that's not like yeah, I would have been disappointed to like not win the championship, but it's like it's not at like this they got failure there. No, not a failure at all. And this is you absolutely just, a failure. You just lose to a team that's equally or better than you if uh-huh. you, if that were to happen. But you look, San Diego State, they definitely are really good at smothering def- smothering you on on their their defense. I mean, like smothering their offense because like Alabama, they did not play well offensively. But part of that is because of San Diego State's, you know, credit to them. Their defense is is awesome. But you know, Brandon Miller was awful in this game. He he missed so many shots, and sort of the rest of the team. And so part of that's on the defense, but part of that is Alabama really was a no show in this. Yeah. Game. Well, Brandon Miller eight for forty one in three tournament games. Now he was playing through an injury, but I think statistically that was the worst shooting performance by someone who took that many shots in NCAA tournament history, 19% from the floor. So he is a good shooter, uh, but in that game, no, he was a no, three for 19, one for 10 from three could not put the ball in the basket. He was Alabama's best player all season long. It's almost remarkable that they were able to get through those first two tournament games as easily as they did with him not doing anything. Now, I guess Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, whatever. Maryland, they're still a legit team. And Brandon Miller, I think he still had 19 in that game. He just wasn't very efficient with it. But yeah, he was he was horrible in this one against San Diego State and finally facing a really good defense. And uh, Alabama is, is gone. And Nate Oates left this game with two timeouts in his back pocket. That drove me insane. I'm so glad you brought that up. That... They were because Alabama they struggled in the first half, but it was still a close game. And then to start the second half, they got off to this run. It's like, all right, Alabama's gonna pull away here. And then all of a sudden, San Diego State comes on a twelve nothing run. And I'm thinking to myself, can you call a timeout? And look, as a fan, when I watch these games, I'll admit I'm kind of the panicking type where I'm I call a timeout immediately if if I see something <laughs> uh-huh. bad. But but so I don't want to go too far with that, but. He, just to give up a twelve nothing run and then not use those timeouts. Yes, he finally used the second one with like a minute and a half left when it was already a nine point game with them losing. And just like, dude, you should have stopped. You should have called timeout at some point during that run. And I, I think so. There's definitely fault on Brandon Miller and other guys for their you know poor performance offensively. But I also put on the coach too. You gotta, you gotta settle the guys down at it's, some point. It's very satisfying to see Nate Oates make a mistake like that because, look, I I don't want to sit here and say that Brandon Miller should definitely be in prison or anything like that. But the way that Alabama just as a program has handled everything, it's hard not to look at it, you know, from the beginning and be like, okay, this doesn't feel right. And I think Nate Oates deserves a lot of criticism for just the comments he's made and things that he's done, just basically trying to put a blind eye to that whole situation instead of attacking it head on and taking some accountability, some like positive acknowledgement. So for me, seeing him not just lose this game, but be like the biggest reason or one of the biggest reasons why Alabama lost, it feels very satisfying. I, I, I totally agree. I It's really hard for me personally to have like you said, a hot take on the Brandon Miller situation, say, oh, he should be in prison or whatever. It, 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 there's, I feel like there's a little too much unknown for me to, you know, have a yeah, hard, of course, hard, uh, so, yeah, take, right. there's enough on the uncertainty that you can really but, look at it but, in both directions and, or you can just stick to the middle with it. And but they, but Alabama did not handle it well either. Yes, I think that's something even, that's hard to dispute. Could, 
because even though even though it's hard to have a take on the Brandon Miller situation, I will say I, it it did it did piss me off seeing you know Brandon Miller. You know that the the first game back from like all the news where he's getting a pat down. Yeah. The start of the game, I hated that. And then, like you said, with some of the comments that Nate Oaks had, is that's his response was, "Oh, I'm you, I'm not paying attention they, to the warmups. I don't know what's going on here." They could have handled it a little bit better. So I I so I do agree with you on, on that. Yeah. So no sympathy for Bama losing, especially. I mean, come on, they're the best football team in the country. I know they haven't <laughs> like they haven't won a national championship in the last two years, and people are acting like the sky is falling and they're no longer a powerhouse. So, you know, it's okay for someone else to have basketball. Anyway, San Diego State has taken on or beat Creighton. They're going to the Final Four. Creighton ended the Princeton Cinderella run. Uh, very fun team in their own right, and they and their fans uh, are rightfully, in my opinion, disappointed with how their team was eliminated. Now, this Creighton-San Diego State game was not like the Super Bowl in that it was a very fun and entertaining game that kept you glued to your seat throughout, but it ended in a similar fashion on a penalty, or I guess a foul in basketball, where you don't necessarily love that it's called in that situation, even though it's correct to call a foul, especially given the way the game was played with only 11 fouls aside, they're letting them get physical and it felt kind of ticky tack for that. last. Oh, second it, shot. It, it totally felt ticky tack. I guess this kind of relates to everything that just happened in football the past, uh, you know, those last few games with the Bengals and chiefs and, and you know, the Mahomes tackle on the sideline, you know, leading to a closer field goal. And then, you know, the same thing with the holding on Juju from Bradbury <laughs> you know everyone's has has their own takes that like yeah you see a tug but at the same time like do you want to see a game end like that like no one really does and look part of me is like yeah it's it's it felt in the moment it felt ticky tack and I didn't like the call but at the same time I you know I understand it because when they show the replay you know he does affect him on the shot yeah, he hits his hip it's, for sure it definitely it's a ballsy on the ref to make a call like that. Like, <laughs> I would have just let it let it go. Uh-huh. Uh, but but you know that's the ref's job. They gotta make the right call, and it's certainly a debate. Like, yeah, it's, it felt so ticky tack. Do you remember the Auburn Virginia game Final Four? Oh yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh huh. That was Kyle Guy. Yep. I don't remember if they were winning or losing, or if they were losing. Game, no, they were losing, they were losing. because okay. yeah, because I remember there were shots of Auburn fans running into the streets celebrating thinking they won the final four because they right. weren't staying around long enough to see the foul was called and when when that play happened in the moment not before the replay in the moment i thought it was a horrible yep, horrible call. i felt the same way but on the replay when they showed the when they showed the shot and they showed the foul it's like okay oh, it's yeah so t- it's so ticky tack but i again i do understand and it's like you hate that it's in that situation like if this was like twelve minutes ago, you'd be like, ah, whatever. Right. But you like just, when it, it's you, literally you on the last play, yeah, that's that's when it's it becomes a a problem per se. And I mean, come on, the guy missed the first free throw. He didn't even make both of them. I thought for sure when he missed the first one, he was gonna miss the it second one. Because ball, when he missed the first one, it's just like time. your heart's racing. Like, oh, oh uh-huh. crap, oh crap. I'm gonna miss this one, and we're gonna o- go to overtime. And we're gonna lose. <laughs> I thought I thought he was gonna miss the second one. Yeah. So I mean, I guess in that sense, it's clutch to be able to make that second one. But uh, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. So San Diego not, State, though, not, a, not like, as clutch as who was the who was the guy in Florida Atlantic 
that made those free throws at the end. Uh, whatever his oh. name was, uh, I, I forgot his name. I don't remember who was shooting there. Was it Elijah but, Martin? But he made he made two sets of free throws, like both of them. He he needed to make four four different free throws. Just uh, like how it was, what seventy seven. It was forest. For, forest. Forest. Okay. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that. I guess the the whole debate with that situation was should Kansas State have gone for a three right away instead of going for a two and fouling, hoping for misses. Yeah, you know, Marquise Noel, he was he was hot from three. <laughs> there were also shots he had that were completely off the mark, and maybe he thought to himself like, "Hey, if I get it to our best three point shooter, they'll give us a better chance." And you know, he let his ego aside and didn't want to be the hero and you know give the give the ball to the best shooter on the team but then he he doesn't go up for the shot and then it gets stripped and so yeah. yeah in hindsight it wasn't the right move but i can understand just give given who he passed it to uh uh-huh. no i'm i'm a un- fan of going like waiting until the last like possible moment to take a 3 just because a layup dunk whatever two-point shot it's still statistically more likely than a three-pointer even if guys are shooting threes more often and more consistently than in the past but watching with my friend and saying no they're right to go for two there now you foul and hope for some misses only for them to just do that in the last seconds i felt kind of dumb so so i misunderstood your your question uh i I just realized like oh (laughs) duh right that's right they went for two instead of the three and Uh then Florida Atlantic had to go for free throws again. Yeah, I thought um, that was what you were talking about. Yeah, to go up. Right. No, I, I I was talking about the last shot. That was my bad. But you know, I don't mind it if 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 the shot is there and if there's enough time. Yeah, go for the two and you know hope that whoever is shooting the free throws again, you know, on the, on the it's, next it's drive, college basketball. Just hope they miss. Hope they yeah. miss one of them and you can go for. Uh, a two to tie. So yeah, exactly. I, I think it. it's sound logic, but obviously it, it did not work out in the moment. When you can't even get a shot up at like as time expires, I think that's like one of the worst plays in basketball. Like how you can't figure out a way to shoot is just mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind how often you see that happen. So anyway, uh, San Diego State's going to the Final Four now. A very unlikely run for this team and. I- I was I was surprised. Well, obviously, I was surprised that they beat Bama, but I was even surprised that they beat Creighton. I mean, not not totally surprised because Creighton was slight favorites, but I I just thought they'd be a total mismatch for them, especially someone like Kalkbrenner. Like I I thought I thought for sure, not for sure, but I I I felt pretty good that Creighton was going to win that game. But you know, as time went on. Both offense couldn't buy a basket no, for a no, long time I mean, in the second half. Yeah, fifty-seven to fifty-six final. Uh, that's that's not an entertaining one. And yeah, I, I thought Creighton like their win over Princeton like definitely convinced me like oh this is like a a real team that has like an actual shot of uh, you know going all the way here. So I I was surprised when they lost San Diego State. And well, I just well once Alabama lost. If you were to ask me, like, who is the next, who's the favorite of the teams remaining on that side of the bracket, I would have said Creighton. Yeah, I agree. I think that they they would have been a reasonable pick there. I think they were a top ten preseason team, so you know they were a five seed. They weren't as good as expected, but they still had a ton of talent. They still have some notable names that have you know NBA prospects. So definitely tough to see them go out the way they did. If you're a Creighton fan, but the Aztecs, I mean, the the Mountain West. Literally 
did not survive the first day of the NCAA tournament in 2022. And in 2023, it looked like it was a possibility. San Diego State took care of business, uh, you know, beating Charleston in the first round to at least give the Mountain West their first win. And I could be wrong about this, but I believe I heard 15 tries. Like they were on a really bad over streak. And now here they are in the final four. So I think, uh, you know, they, they're, they're repping the Mountain West hard right now and um their head coach brian dutcher made a point that i hadn't really considered a ton like i knew the whole usc ucla them going to the big 10 travel will be a factor there but he's thinking that hey you know we are flying to orlando for our first round games and we're going all the way across the country just for one weekend for two tournament games those kids are going to have to do that every other week for regular season games so maybe that could be something to get people to you know kids to go to san diego state and set say hey you'll be able to stay regional you're not going to have to travel to illinois ohio maryland pennsylvania like every week for basketball games because i imagine that's that's not going to be the most fun experience and it'll be pretty grueling but as the season goes on so yeah yeah i don't i don't know if it's really going to translate into san diego state being a basketball power but uh, for now, they're in the Final Four. They couldn't get there with Kawhi Leonard and you know some other big names, but they got there with this team. So, anyway, let's uh, talk about the final region here and Miami Hurricanes. It seemed like they were dead, and something clicked in the second half, and they went from down by like fifteen to. You know, winning this one, I don't want to say easily, but they, they made a great comeback and they knocked out Texas after also knocking out Houston and Hurricanes. They were the number one team in the ACC. I think there was reasons to kind of question them heading into the tournament, but they've proven that they're a legitimate team. And as much uh, crap as the ACC got for having a down year, they have a Final Four team thanks to the Hurricanes. Oh, Miami was awesome this past weekend. They, they you know, the, I remember. You know, when they were playing Drake, Drake was winning. And like, oh, I, I, I knew I knew this was the right 5-12 uh, matchup <laughs> to attack. And then Miami pulls out with a win. Like, ah, oh, whatever. And then, uh-huh. you know, they get hot from three versus Indiana. And I'm thinking, you know what, that that was really impressive. But uh, do I see them being Houston and or Texans? Like, I don't know. But, you know, for them to score – look, Houston, I, <laughs> watching them the first couple games, I thought to myself, it's only maritime, but, you know, when they lose. and But still, even so – even though Houston was, you know, very subpar in the tournament and did not have their best game whatsoever uh, versus Miami, Miami scored eighty nine points versus Houston. That's really, really impressive. Yeah, and then what's for even sure. more impressive is to be down thirteen in the second half to a Texas team that was rolling uh, for mostly most of that game, and then and and then for them to come, make that comeback uh, was really, really impressive. You know, Jordan uh, is it Jordan Miller? Yeah, Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong, like those guys were, they got an awesome backcourt. Uh, yeah, those, Jordan those Miller guys, literally didn't miss Jordan a Jordan Miller's shot. 27 points and then 7 for 7 from the field and 13 for 13 from the free throw line. That's 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 clutch. So their yeah. backcourt. I if anything, he should have kept shooting because he couldn't miss. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, great performance uh, so from the, him. And So as yeah. yeah, as impressive as it was to score 89 on Houston and win convincingly, it was even more impressive to make that comeback. Uh, I agree Texas. with that. 
Yeah, and I, coming into the tournament, I liked Miami's chances. I thought that they were a really good team, and as much as like the ACC was a down year, I still thought it was impressive that they ended up winning that conference. And it looked like they were going to lose to Drake. I was like, all right, you know, I said Drake had a chance here, but I liked Miami's chances. And coming into the Sweet 16, I wanted to believe in Houston. I definitely tried to convince myself I was fine, even though the rest of my bracket was in horrible shape. But uh, I, I was certainly nervous about Miami, and they they look great. 89, 88 points against two very strong teams. I mean, they, this can't take away from those seasons that Houston and Texas had. Both of them should be feeling great. I think it sounds like Texas is moving forward with Rodney Terry as their next head yep, coach. Yeah, they, they extended him. They, they did officially do that? Okay. Yeah. Okay, last I heard was they were just like closing in on it, but it wasn't official. So very well-deserved. Uh, I mean, that, that was an awesome Texas team that they beat. And to be able to come back like they did, because it looked like Texas was going to run away with Texas it. Texas looked like it was going to be, they're going to win in a landslide. It looked like, well, the first half was close, but you know the beginning of that second they half. They started to pull like away. Kind of yeah. like Alabama, <laughs> uh, uh, but like they were going to pull away. But then now like the Miami... Miami's been awesome. They've been really. I was really impressed with how they, they played. Like not just this tournament, but especially this weekend. Yeah. The, what's crazy is that so they beat Indiana, convincingly, but they did it with threes, and then you know they did that a little bit with versus Houston, but they scored a lot in the paint. Like they didn't they didn't really take many or hit many threes versus Texas. They they did a lot of their scoring in the paint and at the free throw line, and so it's just they only took eight threes it, in the game. And they yeah, scored like, 88 so, points. So I figured, like, all right, well, if they're not going to hit or take many threes in this game because they can't, then it's like, all right, well, this probably feels over. But just the not only to beat Houston and Texas, but to to win the way they did was really impressive. And it, it sucks that they had to play UConn next uh, because if if they were playing if they were playing either of the other two teams, like they probably. I would I would predict them in the the championship. Yeah, but I agree with they're, that. <laughs> they're playing UConn like that's uh that's gonna be an even much bigger task. Uh, yeah, I mean they, they showed they can handle Houston and Texas, so I definitely believe in their ability. Right, I don't. I'm not gonna say like oh it's <laughs> it, it's in the bag like U- UConn's got this. No, 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 definitely not. I, I think I I mean I think the other game will be closer. Uh, like San Diego State's a two point favorite and UConn's a five and a half point favorite over Miami. So, but what even was, still, what was I, the spread for Miami and their other two games that they just won this week? Um, I think it was four in both of them. Okay, like three and a half or four in Which both is of them. Surprising to hear that it's even more against UConn, but all right. I mean, UConn. I mean, the I way know, UConn's UConn playing, is rolling. Though, You're right. UConn is see, rolling. Typically, I would say like, oh, it's that's so disrespectful to the to to like Miami or like whoever is playing, but. I think it's really more because UConn is unstoppable. Yeah. Now, I suppose that that's a fair way to look at it, and I do think that. UConn is still the favorite in this game, but I could see this going either way. And hey, if there's anyone who knows how to beat a right, UConn be favorite team, Jim Laranega. <laughs> yeah, literally 17 years to the day of his George Mason Patriots upsetting UConn, he guides yeah. Miami to the Final Four. So you know, my first, first year building history. brackets was uh, I, I've already mentioned this before was was uh, the 2008 year, yeah, right with uh, Memphis you know, and Kansas. All, all one seeds making it, but. The first year where I really started like watching college basketball was that oh six year with uh, with like you said uh, George Mason uh, going on this amazing run and then upsetting UConn in overtime the number one seed in their turn in their in their region uh, to pull off that upset and then and along with uh, Adam Morrison 
and him yeah that was uh and jj very Redick memorable and, like, other star players like that uh, was the first year i really paid attention to college basketball that was when florida had that back-to-back yep yeah it was uh, their first year and then the 07 yeah so yep. like that was that was the first years where i didn't i didn't like make brackets like in elementary school <laughs> like i don't have an espn account or anything but uh-huh. that was like the the year when i started watching and getting really into it enjoying it yeah, so 2005, 2006, 2007, I was in, like, I think my dad's work pool on CBS. 2008 was the first bracket, like, first year I was doing ESPN brackets. Right. And so that was when it became more than just those. But I, I was definitely, um, you know, filling out brackets then, and that bracket was probably just as busted as mine this year. So <laughs> I think, uh, so I was having a conversation with a, a mutual friend of ours yesterday and just thinking back on like those, that tournament 2011 and just how this ranks and zero final, zero one seeds in the elite eight, zero top three seeds in the final four. I think we've been witnessing the craziest, the maddest March Madness of all time. Just uh, t- insane. 2011 was really crazy. It was, um, but I, I think this might be even worse. You had a 16 seed beat a one. You had a 15 seed advance to the Sweet 16. And again, like the one seed's going out as early as they did. Just every round yeah, has none, had multiple None of them upsets. made the Elite Eight, which is the first time ever. Yeah. I think that I think this has a beat. I really do. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't argue with that because uh, I lost my championship game in a span of 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I uh I lost mine earlier than that, but <laughs> um yeah, so no, this, but like the entire yeah, championship game. No, I like get both, it. I, both the, like both, I said, both I had the winner and runner. I had I lost zero elite eight teams, let alone my champions and my final four teams lasting very long. So <laughs> look, I mean, last year we had it was it was Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Kansas, like four of the like the top. Yeah, I don't know, three five. blue bloods and a new blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but th- this year, yeah, we got UConn. That's the clear like, you know, big school basketball school. But like, yeah, three kind of wild card teams, and you know, people say like, oh, the ratings aren't gonna be great. I still love it. I don't care. I don't. I care love about it either ratings. way. I'm not a TV I, I think, exec. I'm not at CBS. I don't right, care what I, the ratings are. I, I'm gonna I, watch I love these it either way. I, I I find I find the tournament wildly entertaining either way. Yeah, and I'm glad that UConn is in the Final Four just so I have a team that it's like I don't want to see them win. Any of those other three teams I'd be fine with. I think Florida Atlantic is my team going in I, I, from um, who I'm, I want to win. I'm, I'm rooting for Florida. I'm rooting for the Owls, definitely. In, yeah. in the in the at least over San Diego State, I'm I'm yeah. more impressed with. I, look, I, look, I'm obviously biased towards offense, but I, I've been really impressed with Florida Atlantic and Miami as well. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but. I would love to see that a Boca Miami national championship game while Florida and Florida State didn't even make the tournament. Hmm. I think that would be that would be a fun one. So it just be it'd be cool to a a team like a school and a team like Florida Atlantic to make it all the way to the national championship when they were like not even in consideration. Uh, I think that'd be awesome, especially since they've had a good year. Oh yeah, no, they they very much deserve it. Uh, based on you know how great they were in the regular season to to be able to continue this run and showcase themselves on the national level like this so um all right yeah i guess we'll uh we'll look forward to the final if, four and yeah if, if we're doing predictions uh give me uconn over florida atlantic yeah i, I, I would probably say the same thing uh-huh yeah i think uconn's unsto- unstoppable and i i definitely take san diego state seriously especially defensively i just think them the the way 
they've been playing offensively. I just think it's only a matter of time where it catches up to them because I just think the I don't know. Like that that game versus Creighton was ugly. Yeah. No, I, I think that's they a definitely win ugly. Like give them credit for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> An ugly style of basketball, but I don't know. I feel like at some point it'll catch up to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Uh, I think UConn's winning it all and I'm rooting for Miami to upset them in the, the semifinals here. So that's totally fair. Cause they've been one of the most impressive teams for sure. Obviously being in the final four, but yep. they, they definitely got my attention this past weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, let's, uh, let's move on talk about a few other sports before wrapping this one up and let's stay with basketball, but shift to the professional ranks and the NBA has just two weeks left in the regular season, and we're starting to get a good idea of the playoff picture. The East, it feels like we have our 10 teams. It's really just a matter of who's in the play-in tournament, what seating everyone falls under. Uh, our Celtics are second in the East. They've been kind of back and forth with the Bucks for a while, but I guess how are you feeling about them right now going into you know this, this final stretch here? I don't feel as confident in the Celtics than I did in, you know, the beginning of the year. I, I just, I just think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, when it comes to Tatum, especially, I, I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he's ready and I don't know if he'll ever be ready, uh, you know, to, to, to win a championship and, and, and be the, the number one guy on a team to win a championship. And the way that they've been playing like after the all-star break as is really concerning I just I don't think when it comes to Tatum, I just I just don't think he has his priorities, you know, straightened out right. Like because he he goes into the All Star break, and you know he's in the All Star game of course, and he goes off. He, he breaks scoring, the record, yeah. wins MVP, and speaks glowingly of the the game. And it's just like just this random exhibition game that no one watches or cares about. No one plays defense, but he's like so enamored on the all-star festivities and winning the Kobe Bryant MVP award. You yeah, know, his, he definitely had a good hero. relationship with him. Yeah. Like, so like, I get it, but to do that and then to come out as flat as he's had, he's, he's been after the all-star break. It's just like, does this dude really care about winning or like need, you know, needing to win? It's just, I remember, you know, the, the big three era with the Celtics with KG and, Pierce and Ray Allen, I, like those guys were bought in to win, to to win as a team, and be you know have it be about the team. And the goal was to win a championship, and they did it right away. And and KG was a baller. And just I don't I don't see that with this Celtics team. That I just feel like you know at some point, like yeah they'll make they'll win the maybe the first round and the second round, but like I don't know at, at some point if they face Milwaukee. Even though they've been really good against Milwaukee this year, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't feel good about if they were to face them in a seven-game series or if they were to make the finals again. I, I don't so, know. I, I, I mean, I, I agree in the whole you know Bucks versus Celtics discussion here. I think coming into the season, I thought that Milwaukee was going to find a way to get past Boston this year. I mean, it, a lot of it came down to these two teams played a seven game series without Chris Middleton. Without so Chris if Middleton, the Bucks are yeah. healthy. Then I would like their chances, but I guess I disagree on the the Jason Tatum point of it. I think that coming into the season, the loss in the finals, especially with the way he played, really weighed on him. And I I don't know that it's a a lack of commitment or a lack of caring. I think he's you know just what, part going of it is the the, the minutes spell. they're getting too. Uh, the, 
you know, it's always been a, a topic like after they lost, like, oh, well, the Celtics, they, they had a, uh, you know, after that net series, they had a seven game series uh, versus Milwaukee. And then they had a seven game series versus Miami. And it got to a point where they, they were just out of gas. Yeah. And, it's been a constant talking point in the year. Like, hey, is Tatum and and Brown like are they gonna get, are they gonna you know get more rest? And Tatum did coincidentally rest in this past game versus yeah, San Antonio. San Antonio, nothing uh, to play and for. Jalen Brown had forty one in his place. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess it's good that you got some rest, but you know, I, I just worry that at some point that they'll run out of gas, and it's more of a Tatum thing for me, I guess, because like, I think Brown has the right mindset. But but I also worry about Brown because because I don't know if he wants to be here. No, I I've had my doubts about it. I I think I went from questioning whether he wants to be here to questioning the people questioning whether he wants to be here to back to questioning whether he wants. I, to. I don't I don't think yeah. he wants to be here because there's I, been a lot of talk about he, it recently. He goes he goes off yesterday and and when he gets called out, you know, to rest on the bench for the rest of the game. The whole crowd is giving the standing ovation, giving him the idea that hey, we care about you, we want you to stay here. And then Jalen Brown is asked about it, the ovation, you know, in the press conference. He's just like, yeah, it's just another game. It's just like that. That doesn't give me hope that he stays. And I remember we argued one time about, you know, whether if the Celtics should have traded for Durant, you know, for Brown. And you were you were on more of the Durant side, and I was more on the Brown side. But my mindset at the time was. Well, uh, you know, a few, uh, two or three years of Durant, or like ten plus years of, of Jalen Brown, uh, he's gonna be here for, you know, for for a long time. Like, give me Jalen Brown. But then I, I'm thinking about it, it's like, is Jalen Brown even gonna be here? <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think that is, yeah, in theory, yeah. Jalen Brown, at least from a NBA career standpoint, it's just a question of is he actually gonna want to be in Boston the whole time? He is a free agent, I think, after next season, so after 2024. I, 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 I th- there are a lot of issues on him staying because uh, he talked about how you know a portion of Celtics fans are, you know, are are not uh, friendly or, or or whatever. Boston, and, and, I mean, Boston has a racist history Boston, and a, Boston race, has like, a racial. It, it's issue. a lot of people, yeah, say that it's like one of, if not the most racist cities in America, and I think that. That's something that Jalen Brown is Whether if it's true or not, that's what people ways. believe. Yeah, and, and which is which is hard to, which is hard for us that you know people that want to see him stay. Mm-hmm. There are a portion of Celtics fans or or people in Boston that are not not uh, <laughs> that are racist, and it's just it's it's such a shame. And because because Jalen Brown certainly cares about that kind of stuff. I remember when the NBA shut down, and uh, you know Jalen Brown went all the way back to down to Atlanta to you know, to be in the protests and just, mm-hmm. he, he definitely has, he, he definitely cares about those kind of issues, understandably. And, and then, he, and another thing is not only that, like, so he doesn't, he doesn't like the the city and he, 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 I'd imagine he hates being in trade talks. So he probably doesn't, doesn't feel happy about the organization, but he probably also wants to be a number one, which he can't be here because Tatum is. And, even though I like Brown's mindset more than Tatum's, Tatum is the guy. Like he's he's the superstar on the team, which is, which is. I mean, it's great that we got two superstars, but it doesn't help in Jalen's case because I'd imagine he wants to be a number one somewhere. Yeah, and I think it's reasonable to say that he could do that. I think um, some of the trade talks, it's more the media trying to build it up, or like you know the Brooklyn Nets trying to build up KD's trade value more so than the Celtics actually throwing out Jalen Brown in trades. But, but you hear they about it? Could have shut those trades down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it didn't. It was it was trade. 
those trade rumors were going on forever. They lasted way too long. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's a plenty of reason to be concerned there. And that, that was part of my argument with the whole Kevin Durant thing was it felt like you're more guaranteed a championship in the short term than continuing to run it back with Tatum and Brown. And, you know, obviously Durant has his own issues with things and how it played out in you know right. the end of golden state now in brooklyn now in phoenix he can't even get on the court and he's awesome when he's on it but there are enough concerns when it comes to kevin durant specifically but yeah i mean it's it's starting to feel like the celtics window might be closing faster it, it, than expected it, it feels like it's closing and i just don't know how i feel about this season because if you ask me if you ask me who should win the championship i would say the celtics if you asked me who should have won last year, I would have said the Celtics. And in 2019, yeah, when they had an all-star roster, <laughs> who should have won? They, the Celtics should have won. So they constantly disappoint. And I I feel that way right now, especially the way they've, they've been playing after the all-star break. Just losing the – not just losing, but losing the just crap teams like the, the, the Rockets and the, the Jazz and just these other teams that have no – business uh in beating the celtics they've lost the magic multiple times oh yeah it's just uh, they're they're infuriating to watch and i i'd like to think they can turn that around i just have doubts right now maybe i'll change my mind maybe when they go on a run like oh i'm all in on the I'll go green <laughs> but mm-hmm. right now i right now i have doubts more doubts yeah, it, it is a tough time that's fair they have won three in a row by 23 plus a big win over the kings in sacramento and i know the paces and the spurs are lottery bound but yeah i'm, yeah. I'm not gonna go as far as like oh they can't beat uh I, I know they've struggled against cleveland and the knicks but i like to think in the playoffs they can beat those teams i don't care how good it goes for philly and how bad it goes for boston i will uh-huh. never get off that that ship no, I, i'll never I predict the celtics to lose to the sixers yeah i i would still pick the celtics but the bucks worry me especially if you know they they beat they beat the bucks in seven but without middleton and then if, if they had middleton along with Giannis and drew holiday and others and brooke lopez defensive player of the year all of a sudden what a transformation yeah, that uh, is I, I i would have my doubts i don't know i just think i don't know but when we look at the star players on both teams i just like Giannis's mindset more than Tatum's I don't know like Tatum grew up in an AAU world and Giannis was selling necklaces in Greece so you know that you know which guy's the more humble like gets it kind of guy I don't yeah, know I think maybe it's a Tatum, fair way to look at it maybe maybe Tatum will I don't, I don't know just I'll say I would answer. rather him struggle in February and March than, than in, in April than in March May, than in May and June. June right yeah so but Next I don't story. know if that means he's necessarily going to turn it around. So um, anyway, time, yeah, I mean, the, look, look, time will tell, but uh-huh. we have to have our opinions now. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. And I get it. I mean, I, I don't believe in this team as much as I thought I would. I still feel like I, I like their chances of at least going I'm, to these conference finals. Yeah, and I, then we'll see. What I'm making it sound Milwaukee. like I'm making it sound <laughs> like it can't ever turn around. Uh, I, I probably went too far in that direction. But 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 like, I have doubts now, but. They can seriously turn it around. Uh, look, I think they're a lock. Maybe not a lock, but I, I feel very, very confident they'll make the East Finals. At same, least. same. Yeah, I think it would, it would very much be a, a shocking disappointment for them not to do that. So. Yeah, but speaking of shocking, or not really shocking uh, disappointments, I'm really enjoying looking at the standings, and I see that the Dallas Mavericks aren't even in <laughs> the play-in. Not even the playoffs, the play-in. 11th tournament. place in the Western Conference. 7-13 and 13 since acquiring Kyrie Irving, and 
Yeah, they are they are terrible. Kyrie's and getting booed by Mavericks fans. fans. Yeah, it's, it's what been a bad. shocker! I'm <laughs> so surprised that this is happening. <laughs> you know, I I thought that Dallas was gonna be somewhere kind of middle in the pack. Like I thought Kyrie wouldn't significantly move the needle, but I didn't think that they were gonna be this terrible by any means. <laughs> What's funny is that when moves like this happen, I remember when again not a perfect comp, but I remember when James Harden got traded to Philly. And they're just beating up on crap teams and everything was sunshine and rainbows. But then all of a sudden when you get to the playoffs and James Harden is a complete no show, it's like, all right, this here's is, the disappointment who we you, were waiting yeah, for. Yes, and that's, that's what I kind required. of figured with this move with Kyrie and Luca, uh-huh. where even though it was a kind of a weird fit, I still like to think that, okay, even though I obviously loathe Kyrie Irving, uh, I figured, you know what, it'll be sunshine and rainbows for you know the end of the regular season and they'll be in the playoffs and they'll be facing a team like phoenix or golden state or whatever sacramento <laughs> they're not even in the play and it's already it's already a catastrophe which i yep. love but yep. at the same time <laughs> like i I'm, still even, think I, gonna... even i'm a little surprised by <laughs> yeah, how quickly uh... bad how quickly it's going for uh Dallas right now. I still of, uh, think they're going to find a way to make the play-in tournament. They're only a game back of Oklahoma City and the Lakers, game and a half back of the Pelicans. But I don't like their chances of getting to the top eight, even if they get there. I don't know that they can win two road games if they end up as a nine or you know the ten seed. So yeah, I don't know. Jason Kidd was pissed too after one of those games. Like he was just disgusted by the effort. Yeah, yeah. And he's a no, former they're... he's a Hall of Fame point guard. <laughs> so uh-huh. he has two future Hall of Fame point guards on his roster and can't figure out how to win with them. So That's wild. Yeah. Now the the Mavericks, it's it's not going well there. And yeah, even it, if they find a way to make the playoffs, it's hard to imagine them going on a run and it's hard to imagine Kyrie Irving sticking around in Dallas yeah, just with three the way more, things are three going. more months until he goes back to daddy. That's what yeah, I, and that's... Daddy as in uh well, he's Daddy LeBron and Granddaddy Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I know you I can't saw that. He hit the too small on LeBron. He hit the too small on LeBron. That that was awesome. And like, good for Patrick Beverly because he had been talking from the moment he was traded to the Bulls about how he wanted to keep the Lakers out of the playoffs, and he hits a, a dagger shot, which you know, is like a ten footer. It's not like a big three, but still put the Lakers up or the Bulls up by ten in LA with just over a minute to go, and of course. All in on uh, He's him, re- him he, doing that to LeBron. Pat, Pat Bev is ridiculous, but I'm going to miss him when he retires. <laughs> he is, he's a fun player when he's, he's playing for a team that you either like or are like neutral about. Right. So I, I, I've been enjoying Pat Bev on the Bulls. And he's from Chicago, so it's like a fun hometown thing. You know, the Bulls season has not gone as well as expected when they gave Zach Levine the big max contract to stay. And, you know, they're probably going to make the play-in tournament, but it's it's a stretch to think they're going to do anything in the playoffs from there. Definitely a big win for them. And, yeah, I mean, the Lakers are 37-38. and 38. They hit 500 for the first time all year just, like, this past weekend. And then, you know, they're back below 500 right away with the loss to Chicago. So Still they're another 19. team that... Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they're going to make the play-in tournament. We could very much have... I made this joke about uh, you know LeBron and Kyrie thinking that they'd both be on the Lakers. 
putting up like that 41 point performance like they did in game six of the finals years ago in the 9-10 playing game well they might end up facing each other in the 9-10 playing game with how things are looking out west which is just wild to think about that is very wild to think about yeah because i mean both of those teams were huge winners at the trade deadline felt like you know at the very least that was going to get them into the playoffs where anything could happen and you know it's really hasn't led to much success at all for those two so uh, but yeah, I mean, the West is going to be awesome. I think, you know, just seeing how this plays out, the Nuggets have a relatively comfortable lead. The Grizzlies are starting to play better now that John Morant is uh, no longer in rehab or suspended and actually on the court. And the Kings are not going away. The Suns, it's, you know, when they have a full roster, they're very much the favorites in that conference. So, and the Warriors are just sitting there in sixth place, ready to to jump at any moment. Yeah, re- so. Ready to ready to beat the Celtics once again. In the <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how me things of, go there. Of any of the teams, I don't care where they're seated. That's the team that I I, I don't yeah, care where they're more... seated and how much uh, you know. I know I know those guys are like not in their primes, obviously, but they're s- still the team that I worry about the most of anybody. They I know the Celtics beat them in their last matchup, but it didn't look very convincing. I don't know that I would say I worry about them like more than anyone. I still think Milwaukee and Phoenix just because Fe- Fe- but think about golden state is in the west so t- in the well in the west yeah. uh like golden state and phoenix are like the top two for me golden state is so terrible on the road and i, I know they've I been just awful keep waiting the for year. them to finally figure out how to win road games and they just can't do it they're nine and 29 away and if they end up as a five or a six seed they're gonna be on the road in the first round and be on the road in the second round on the road in the you know conference finals so Maybe this know. will finally be the year where it starts to decline for Golden State, but just history. Well, they I, I were the worst team in the just, league a couple of years ago. So I, I, I know, but then they eventually they immediately they, turned it around uh, and won it all. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just been a weird year for them dealing with injuries, and you know they can certainly be back up top. It's a just a team that I think can turn it around. And when I look at the top of the standings, like okay, yeah, the Nuggets are fifty and twenty four, and I love them, and Jokic is the man. But at some point, I I don't think they're gonna be a a threat in the finals like i don't i i like i think that at some point if it's the second round or west finals that something someone will catch up to them i don't know and then same with the grizzlies i'll admit it's just uh, i don't like john morant (laughs) fun player (laughs) but i don't know i don't i just don't like him that's it yeah that's fair he he's given plenty of reason for for people to not like him yeah so yeah yeah, should should be fun whenever you know March Madness is over and then transitioning to the the home stretch with just a week or so to go for the NBA before the playing tournament. So yeah. Um. Anyway, let's uh, talk about NFL, and I think that we've been waiting on two moves to happen. One is the Packers and the Jets to agree on compensation for Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't feel like that's gonna come anytime soon. And the other is for some indication of what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson and I don't know if we're that much closer to figuring it out but we did get some fairly big news today where Lamar Jackson went on a nice Twitter thread to all of his fans particularly in Baltimore to let them know that earlier this month he officially requested a trade from the Ravens now I don't know how much this really changes anything because he's still in the same situation where the Ravens can match any offer sheet and it feels like he just wants a trade because he just wants somebody to pay him. But 
it's starting to become more and more like he doesn't want to be in Baltimore anymore. Just the whole situation with the contract negotiations has made it that he he just doesn't want to be there. This is what yeah, it's starting I, to feel I'm, like. I I've flip flopped on my opinion on where Lamar is going to end up a bunch. If I had to say now though, I it sounds more and more likely that he's not going to be in Baltimore. It's just that I have no idea what team is going to be the one to make the move and, and get him. I don't know if it's Atlanta or Washington or Indianapolis and all these other teams. Even New England <laughs> is still rumored, even though I can't imagine <laughs> Belichick uh, ever wanting to have a you know someone on the roster that makes more money than him. <laughs> Robert Kraft said it's in uh it's in his hands. I did. I don't know. Which I how think, which is such a cop out answer. Me- Meek Mill texting Robert Kraft saying that Lamar Jackson wants to go to the Patriots. Just a wild tweet to see. I don't know how legit any of that is, but that, I still uh, think it was a cop out answer for Robert to like say, "Well, that's up to Bill." Like, I don't know. You got a little bit more. He is the, the owner, owner, but you know, Bill's the GM and the coach. So yeah, G- yeah, who had a horrible year last year, and I, I think uh, Robert. Is going to have a little bit more power or a little bit more say, just given how Bill has handled the last year plus and 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 how went how last year went. And I, I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I don't know. I I think when it comes to Lamar and the Patriots, it's just a fun fantasy to think about. But I don't think I think that they're very much committed to Mac Jones at this point. Yeah. So it, it's just that Bill. Why why would he? want to pay all this guaranteed money and give up draft picks compensation for a guy when he can just pay a few million bucks to the the current quarterback right now. Yeah, I mean... That's that's Bill's mindset. I think it is. No, and I think it's a legitimate mindset that some teams have, but there, there are certain guys, like, yes, it's easier to win on rookie contracts because you can spend more money in other parts of the roster. You can spread it around and and pay other positions. It depends on the guy, and that's, you know... That's that's a big factor. Is is he Joe Burrow? Is he Josh Allen? Is he Jalen Hurts? You know, does he have the talent? Uh, you know that it separates him at Which that he level. Which not. He <laughs> hasn't proven it. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think there are a few teams that make sense for Lamar. I think the Colts and the Commanders make the most sense from a an owner who's wacky enough to give him a con or an offer sheet, awesome. or one who's spiteful enough to to do so on his way out with uh, Dan Snyder. And then the Lions would be a really interesting. I would one love because, it if you were on, he was on the Lions. That would yeah, be awesome. I, I think that would make them legitimate Super Bowl contenders because I don't uh, know that I think they're playoff contenders with Jared Goff, but Lamar Jackson as a quarterback of the Lions, that's a legitimate uh, football team. If you were on the Lions, oh man, I'm on the. I mean, I'm kind of on the bandwagon already. And <laughs> you I've have been, been the biggest, for a while. I've been yeah. the. I've been yeah. I've been the biggest Jared Goff hater. Like anytime. Anytime he was in LA, but ever since he's been in Detroit, ugly Jimmy G, not even he's not even ugly. He's, a, no, he's not Jimmy even G's ugly. Handsome just, Jared Goff. I just called. It's just funny that I, I called him handsome Jared Goff because <laughs> I made it sound like Jared Goff's ugly. Like he's not an ugly guy. No, just, I mean his girlfriend is proof he's not ugly. So. No, <laughs> <laughs> that first win, like she wasn't even there, and she's in her. Uh, yeah, is that a, a photo you know exactly shoot. what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, Jared Goff, yeah, in Detroit, I. He's actually not bad. He was Detroit. awesome he's, this he's year. Been, yeah, he's been pretty good. And, uh, but yeah, like you said, they'd be playoff contenders with Goff still. But with with Lamar, oh man, they they especially with how weak the NFC looks right now, um, after Philly and San Fran, San Francisco, uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he'd yeah. make them Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, 
So that that would be fun to see happen. But again, I think the the biggest factor here when it comes to Lamar Jackson and whatever he wants is that the Ravens are still in control. And then I guess the other piece is Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. It only gives him so much negotiating power. Like he, if he had an agent, this situation would be so much better for him. Like I, I don't know how you can deny that at this point. Whatever type of you know fees he's trying to save, it just it's not getting him where he wants to be when he wants to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks with a fully guaranteed contract and wants to be able to explore other options it it's hurting him like the, there's no denying it uh, at this point there's no question that it's hurting him so that's uh something i i don't think we're gonna see anything at this point until after the draft because teams don't want to give up a top pick like i can't imagine the colts would actually give up the fourth overall pick if they could wait an extra month no matter who their owner is, you know, Jim Irsay might be one bad Friday night. No, no matter away how many, from, how much drugs, uh, yeah, right, is on. you know, allegedly, uh, but you know that I don't want to see uh, Lamar Jackson leave the Ravens just to go to a different AFC team. I want him to go to the NFC. I want him to go to Washington. D- Detroit. Detroit would be awesome. <laughs> that that would that would be my. Uh, I mean, I mean, I love him in New England. Uh, yeah, I mean, of, of course, I don't think that's realistic at all. Even though rumors keep swirling on. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much of it is rumors versus just speculation and like Spe- right. fantasies, like you said, fan yeah, fiction. I, I, I think it's just a total fantasy, uh, uh, Lamar in New England. So I don't even consider them, even though they're being talked about a bunch for whatever reason. But Detroit, though, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the team I'd love to see him on. Yeah, so I'm sure that it'll be a while before we have like even more updates but it, it's definitely a new new thing and Lamar saying in Baltimore I thought was inevitable and it feels at least a little less inevitable now so and uh finally baseball season MLB opening day coming up on Thursday and I know you're very excited for oh, it oh I, I can't wait yeah <laughs> so uh, especially with the yeah. Red Sox too right and you know year is gonna go I've been I've been back and forth on the Red Sox a lot, and I'm slowly trying to convince myself that they're go. This is gonna be one of those surprise years where See, I, I don't I believe feel the in same them, way and they end up making the playoffs. I'm not gonna go that far, <laughs> but, but I just think the buzz and the expectations for the Red Sox this year are so low that I actually think they could be surprisingly decent this year. Uh, just yeah. with their 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 roster is it, it's not great, but it's not that bad they're not uh, going to lose 100 games unless yeah, I, something I, they, they, they could, catastrophic up, uh, happens right they picked up enough where they can be somewhat relevant they got more they got more players on the 2018 dodgers than the 2018 red sox <laughs> on their team yeah with uh justin turner and <laughs> yeah, Kike Hernandez, turner. kenley jansen yeah turner he had that bad injury to the face after getting hit by pitch in spring training but it looks like he'll be fine. yeah i think he's okay and will be the show I'm, i saw like their uh sim for the 2023 season i didn't see any standings results but justin turner was the american league batting champ in it wow so yeah that's a, that that's a start <laughs> um and then yeah they added jansen to their bullpen i don't know if i i mean no he's been a good closer with la don't get me, don't get me wrong but I, I do think he's declined a little bit and they're paying I don't know a how lot. much that boost. See, it's a name in their bullpen because their bullpen sucks. So the fact that they yeah. got anybody, or the fact that they got someone to help their bullpen. Resolve like, haven't take. had a legit closer in a while now. Oh, I can't. So. I can't. Was Pabalbon? Yeah, <laughs> their right. Last one? Uh, yeah, Koji, Koji O'Hara. Yeah, he's yeah, the last I love one. Koji. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that might be the last time. I mean, I mean, I know Craig Kimbrell was there, but 
he yeah, I sometimes. guess you're right. Well, but I think for me, Craig Kimbrell not being the closer when the Red Sox won the World Series, Chris Sale being the guy, it, you know, I, I guess you're right. It's you not have the to same, right? Because Koji did close when they won. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and Keith Folk. And yeah, and Kimbrell, Kimbrell was not like he, he you just couldn't trust him. But no. then, so even though they were winning by four runs, <laughs> you still couldn't <laughs> uh-huh. trust the guy. Yeah. No, so I, I I agree with that point. Yeah. So when it comes to the Red Sox. I think they'll be fine, but I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're a 500 baseball team, and yeah, like you said, they made up some made some good, decent pickups, but they lost Bogarts, which is, yes, uh, look, look, the Padres what they gave them, like that was a lot to to give them, like the the length and the money to give a guy like that. But the thing with the Red Sox is I hate so much is that entering the free agency, it's like oh, bringing Bogarts is priority A. Like no, it wasn't. No, <laughs> if it was priority A, he probably still he would, would be here. Yeah, he would. He would have made there. a much better offer. So I don't mind that they gave him up. Just don't give me that bull crap that uh, oh, bring bring back Brogarts as priority. I a. I hate that. Yeah, they didn't put any serious effort into signing him, and they lost him for nothing. What do you get? Like a competitive balance draft pick? They could have traded him at the deadline when the season was over. Instead, they did that weird deadline where they sold off Christian Vasquez, but went out and added more pieces just to go what 79 and 83 or something like that so yeah that was really frustrating to me was this the Red Sox could have dealt a lot of pieces and they decided to keep them just to lose them in free agency anyway with Bogarts being the biggest one right so So I I don't I don't I don't love their infield because Trevor Story is already hurt and yeah yeah. you know they got Tristan Casas rookie starting first baseman and then Christian Arroyo is useless uh, but Devers obviously will be great. Well, He'll no, they, the... Mondesi isn't Adalberto Mondesi. Oh, Mondesi, yeah, yeah, Mondesi. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll make us. I don't know. I I Kiki haven't been paying enough attention now. to the lineups. And, and, yeah. Oh, true. I remember uh, in 2021 during the playoffs, he carried the Red Sox uh, throughout the playoffs with all those home runs, and he was barely a factor last year. I don't. He barely even played. And so, uh-huh. adding him back to the lineup, even, although, granted, a different position. Just adding his bat to the lineup is another spark, uh, along with Devers. And then they also brought in, uh, correct me, from uh, Masataka Yoshida. Yeah, he's he was awesome he, in the World Baseball he, uh, Classic. Yeah, he was good in the World Baseball Classic, which gives me hope that you know this isn't like a Ruzne Castillo kind of thing where <laughs> where Ruzne was just a complete disaster and barely even played in the majors and was a complete waste of money and time. It looks like this, yeah. Masataka Yoshida can. Yoshida's the X factor. He, yeah, I think, he could be a he could be a factor in their lineup. Yeah, I, I think he's someone who, if he lives up to a lot of the hype he received and really the contract, I think a lot of people are thinking the Red Sox overpaid to get him. Then that changes their status big time. But if he if he's just someone who can't live up to the billing this year, then yeah, the Red Sox probably aren't going to have that great of a season. And then and then when it comes to their rotation. Uh, they got names, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Corey Kluber. Like he'll be, he'll be their opening day guy, I'd imagine. And yeah, he was great with Cleveland, but I don't know it's what like to expect. Four years ago. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it's a, it's a name. They got names, but a lot of these names are out of their primes now. It's just I don't know what to think of him. And then Chris Sale. I don't know. Like, can he stay healthy? Can he even win eight games? Like at thirty million. Uh, like I'll I'll take I'll take. 10 wins at this point <laughs> with him. Yeah, yeah the expectations the are way too low for him at this point. 
Yeah, it's so just I just very frustrating. And they they don't have Evaldi anymore. And then you know Brian Bayo, I think he has some upside, but there were definitely moments where he really struggled last year. But just a, a year under his belt, and maybe you can improve on sophomore season. Yeah, I. So I think the the thing that can give me some hope for the Red Sox is as great as the AL East is, I think you can find flaws in all four of those other teams. Yankees is probably a bit of a stretch. The best thing you'd have going for you was it took Aaron Judge having one of the greatest batting seasons of all time for them to be as good as they were. And he's someone who historically hasn't been able to stay healthy. If he gets hurt again this year, then I think New York's ceiling drops significantly. Toronto is a team that they, they're they like World Series offseason winners every other year, it feels like. And then they, they go out and... You know, they, they made the playoffs last year, but they had a historic collapse against Seattle, didn't even win a playoff game. And they're a team that I, we've seen plenty of times before where they get a ton of offseason hype and then they disappoint in the regular season. Tampa, they find a way, but they're starting to fall back. So you can definitely see a scenario where they're just not quite good enough. And then Baltimore, I think they're going to finish in the last place this year. I don't think it's going to be like those 100 lost teams, but they did nothing this offseason. And yeah, their GM, I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be. I'll take them over Baltimore, but yeah, okay. And then maybe That's Tampa, good. but for whatever reason, Tampa always does better. They than always find do. a way. Yeah, they always do. But yeah, I mean, Baltimore had a very disappointing offseason. It feels like they're going to take a step back. So their GM, Mike Elias, he was with the Astros when they were losing a ton of games, and then 2015 they had a surprise wild card berth, but then they. Didn't really do much that offseason in 2016. They missed the playoffs. I'm expecting a similar thing for the Orioles. I don't know that they're going to turn it around and win the World Series in 2024 like the 2017 Astros did, but I think that's the strategy that they're taking in Baltimore, and we're going to see a last-place team because of it. So I don't know. I think there's enough reason to believe that the Red Sox are talented enough that they could maybe pull it off. 2021, both of us went into the season thinking, oh, they'd be like a 500 team. They end up going to the ALCS. So... I won't say it's impossible, but there's plenty of reason to be down on them compared to prior years. I'm 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 still gonna say 500 team, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if anything, it's just talking myself into them. So, um, I guess you know, if you want to go through some predictions that you have, if you have uh, any, you're gonna say, is this year the Angels finally make the playoffs? <laughs> you know, it's funny that crossed my mind, but no, I just no. I I want I want Otani out of. LA Angels. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> going to go to the Dodgers. Right. I mean, that'd be a little bit better because uh, the Dodgers are a better baseball market than the Angels. The Angels, I, those guys are being wasted out there. Did you watch and any of the World Baseball so Classic? So I final? watched the last inning. Same. I only watched the ninth <laughs> I inning. Watched, too. I wanted to I watched the in. ninth inning where Otani uh, was uh, on the mound and he was facing Trout. And yes. Look, Mike Trout's one of the best players of our generation, but isn't it sad that the Biggest moment of Mike Trout's entire career is striking out versus his teammate in a World Baseball Classic. That, I would say so, yeah. That's arguably, I don't think it's arguably, I think it really is the most defining moment of Trout's career. And that, which is, it's which sad to say. for him, but like, it's mostly on his team. His team sucks. Uh, yeah, um, not only one playoff appearance has never won a playoff game. So, see, even though, like, that was, like, not great on Trout's part, that slider was filthy. That, like, that was unhittable. Yeah, I want Otani here so bad. <laughs> <It'll>, <laughs> uh, it won't happen. The Red Sox uh, will underpay or try to try to, try to him off from a deal that's, like, way under value for him. I don't even know uh, what And he'll go to, like, the Dodgers, is, Giants, or Yankees. Yeah. 
which makes sense. I, I feel like yeah. he would want to stay out west. So that's I mean, yeah, Dodgers so it's probably gonna be like the Dodgers or Giants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So no, no, that that guy's electric. I would, yeah, I would love, I, cause cause he's like the one guy that really moves the needle. At least at least in my opinion, Otani. I mean, it, it, just the both sides as a he, pitcher and a batter. He's one of the yeah, best. Both in the sides. Game. He's great at. I mean, he's a better hitter or better offensively than pitcher. Uh, he, I think, I think pitcher pitching wise, he's decent. But that slider, though, that gives me more hope that he can even be become a better pitcher. And that that uh, he's he's the man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, but in terms of predictions, no, nah, I don't really have. I guess the only prediction I have is uh, the Padres will win it all, just despite yeah. the Red Sox. And then, I, and then I can uh, Bloom will be that. fired. That that's I, it's just, okay. it's mostly out of spite. But I do think the Padres they made it to they made it all the way to the NLCS last year. Uh-huh. And I, I I can see a repeat of Philly versus San yeah, Diego. Yeah, I think I think those are the two teams I think, I'm also watching. The NL. So it sucks that they lost the the Phillies. I mean, they lost Toskins. Yeah, Reese Hoskins. Sorry, Reese Hoskins. ACL, they lost the him year. to torn ACL, which sucks. Bryce, Bryce Harper's Harper. out until the second half. Yeah, he'll be out for a bit. Tommy but, John surgery. But they br- did bring in Trey Turner. I think, I think Trey Turner is going to win MVP. That's my okay, prediction. You just I also stole have the words out of my mouth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I uh, also have the Padres in the World Series. I think this is a year, and then Trey Turner wins MVP for a very good Phillies team. So, oh, so anyway, basically, you I have like, the same that. opinion where yeah. Phillies, Padres, but Padres win and they win the World Series. Yeah. I think that this is a year just because the Dodgers, they didn't really do a ton to improve their team this offseason. They're still going to be really good. They still have Freddie Freeman. They still have Mookie Betts. They still have a loaded roster, but. I think that the Padres close the gap on them and they're going to win the NL West for the first time since 2006. And that team is just so much talent that they're going to find a way to go to the World Series. And yeah, I've got yeah, having having Bogarts, Machado and Soto as your if I were to guess two, three, four or three, four, five hitters. That's 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 as good as it gets. Who do you have them beating? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I guess the Yankees, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Seattle. I think last year I was down. Seattle on Seattle was good last year. I was down on them last year, and they proved me wrong. And I think that this year they're gonna be even better. Uh, I really like Julio Rodriguez. I think he has very good MVP odds in the American League. But Otani, it's just like it took Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs for someone not Otani to win. So even if the Angels go like 78 and 84, I still. Like See, his part, chances. Part of, of it's, uh, I just don't want to pick the Astros. And then, yeah, I'm the same way. It's hard not to pick the Astros though, because it feels yeah. like they're the best team in the American that's, League. That's part of. Like, I just don't want to pick them. And then, Parmi thinks the Mariners is just a flash in the pan a little bit. And I don't know if you, if you can't if you can't make the World Series with A Rod, Randy Johnson, and Griffey, <laughs> and like 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 a, a Hall of Fame roster, team then when, it's, it's kind of like the Chargers team. of the of baseball. <laughs> if, you, if you can't make it with like all that talent, and and I don't know. Just yeah, I mean, going 21 years without a playoff berth, you know, at least the Chargers made the playoffs plenty of times there. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that was my argument for them was that they'll find a way to not get in. And they ended up not only making it, but beating Toronto and, you know, advancing to the ALDS. I think that um, it gives me reason to believe they can take the next step. But Houston's still going to be a threat. I think Texas is going to be better. But Jacob DeGrom, I mean, how much can you rely on him to, to pitch? Uh, Same thing with Chris I, Sale. I, I can't take the Rangers, seriously. Uh, just, yeah, they added, yeah, like you said, DeGrom and then Sigur and Simeon, but that doesn't make them, it doesn't make them the best team in their division or their best team in their state. <laughs> no, no, you're right. They're the third or fourth best team in that division still. 
but they they also added Nathan Avaldi, and I think they had some other right. key Evaldi. pieces come in. Like they've tried to spend their way into being a, a better baseball team, but they still have a ways to go to to get into real playoff contention. Um, I guess just some notes on the Pirates. I'm feeling optimistic about their chances of winning 70 games and not finishing in last place in the NL Central. And that's that's as high as I'll go. I, I really believe in O'Neill Cruz, like making the next step from just like freak plays to actually really good player. And I'm excited to see Andrew McCutcheon back. So this, you know, they, they added a lot of veteran leadership. And I, I think that they're not going to be a laughing stock at the very least. You talking about the Pittsburgh Pirates is the most depressing thing on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it's rare for me to have good things to say about them, but every anytime, year, every year I go into you, the season optimistic. Anytime you mention them, it's just like you try to be positive, but it just sounds uh-huh. like, oh, man, I hope they win 70 games. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. it is, it's not, it's not, uh, not fun talking about them most of the time, but... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself. I think that they'll be better than the past couple seasons, and the past couple seasons have been terrible. So, But, hey, anything can happen in baseball, 162 games to go. So I'm excited it's back. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. But uh, yeah, And, again, we'll, just we'll, like we'll, the rule changes, the pitch yeah, clock and look, look, bigger the, bases. The pitch clock, it's not like, oh, I'm back in ba- on baseball now. Like, I'm a hardcore baseball guy again. Like No, like, but the pitch clock – that is a good start. Yes. That's what I'll say. Yes. Pitch clock, banning the shift, bigger bases. I think it's going to all lead to more watchable all baseball. All those are in a tre- they trend in the right direction. Even if it's a slow trend, it's it's mm-hmm. moving positively. More yeah, more singles and doubles, less more action. Ground outs, strikeouts, walks, home less runs. Less 4-hour games. Yes. That's a big thing. More sub 3-hour games. I mean, it, it's hard to say based off spring training results just because those games don't mean as much. But I think the average spring training game is around two and a half hours. That yeah, seems that's, very that's, good. That's, that's the same as that's an NBA start. game, same as an NHL game. So why not for baseball too? That's a good so. start. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, definitely uh, excited to see what happens this weekend with baseball starting. The Final Four, we'll have you know thoughts on those. Maybe we'll have uh, Aaron Rodgers news to talk about next week, but I don't think that we're going to get much progress there either. So we're probably not going to be doing too much NFL talk until the draft, but we have other sports to, to occupy our time, base basketball and hockey playoffs. So, yeah. Don't forget the Masters. Yes, you're right. The Masters too. I cannot. The, the one forget time the golf is relevant. No, I should yeah. say one time, but you know, what yeah, I mean. like it's it's the it's the the biggest tournament of the year. So. I watched some of the match play this weekend. Um, I ended up missing most of the, it because I was driving, but I was like very much excited about a potential Scotty Scheffler Rory McIlroy final, and <laughs> ended up being <laughs> Sam Burns against Cam Young. So who, who are good players, but yeah, Rory and Scheffler are obviously the two of the top three players yeah. in the world. Yeah, they'll, it would have been definitely... better if they were in the final. It's funny like, when I saw the matchups, like, oh, Rory and Scheffler, they're in the final. Yep. Like, this is great, but then it dawned on me, like, oh, this is the this is the this is the, the third place matchup. And, oh, third place. I didn't realize they played in third place. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cam Cam uh, Cam Cameron Young and Sam Burns were the finals, which is probably a disappointment for God, but it doesn't matter. They were competing in college basketball, and I. Yeah, I right. I mean, that was golf. a bigger thing. I watched uh-huh. a, I watched a few minutes, like when it's commercial break, but like, yeah, I, I watched like it. some of like the the beginning of those semifinals matches. They were only like through six holes. It's a cool format. I'm, I'm glad they do it 
you know, during college basketball season because you want to you're brackets. feeling like, yeah, brackets. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's a cool format that they do during that time of the year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, definitely excited about all of that. April, to me, is one of the top two or three sports months of the year. Oh, I so. totally agree. I, I love this time of the year. Yep. All right, so for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>